0: Listening to the Miracle Word podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. I want to touch on this because a lot of times you can have great intentions. For the future you can have great intentions for the future you can say you know what 2022 is going to be the best year of my life god's gonna but the but the key is this cammy is asking where can i get the journal i have the fasting book it's available on amazon Cami, as well as on ebooks for apple and kindle um you can have all the best intentions and say you know what's going to be my best year ever i'm going to see you know and, and you can make as many declarations as you want You can make as many confessions as you want. But as you know, your declarations, your confessions have to line up with actions. There has to be uh, practical things you're doing in obedience to God's word that will bring about those changes that you're looking to see. That doesn't mean God won't assist you. I'm not talking about self-help. I'm not talking about relying on you. I'm talking about the fact that there's got to be practical actions and steps taken, uh, in order to see those things come to pass. As James wrote in the new Testament, faith without works is dead being alone. So there have to be some works that go along with our faith and our confession. Yes. Confession is a good thing. It's an action that we're taking, but it's not to be left alone. There are active principles. And so you say, well, how would you ruin your year before it even begins? Think about the fact that every year, people begin to make uh, New Year's resolutions. Every year, people get all excited to do it. They'll write them down, they get, they get excited about you know carrying them out. And then as you've seen, that I've uh, talked about on the broadcast, there's now something called Quitter's Day. And that, that actually makes me laugh, it's so funny that like somewhere between January the 12th and the 18th people are quitting on their resolutions before three weeks of the year has even have even passed. And so you can see where though, um, though, though they had good intentions to begin, you know, Google it, Jessica quitters day. It's an actual day now in January where they found that most people are quitting their uh, workouts at the gym and giving up on their new year's resolutions somewhere around the 18th of January, I think it is. So it's like, you couldn't even stick with it for 21 days. And so it's, it's not enough to have, um, (laughs) good intentions. We've got to have a, a disciplined plan to do what the Lord's asking us to do. And I wanted to give you five things today that will help you to see. I mean, we're, we're gearing up for the new year today is what is today? The 30th. Today's Thursday, the 30th. So tomorrow's New Year's Eve. um, Alex has already given up on his in the comments. (laughs) It's scheduled. Zach said it's scheduled for the second Friday in January on the Google calendar. That is funny. That is actually very funny. Um, Like they're planning for your failure. But in all seriousness, people have the best intentions. But then what do you do once you've you've gotten started? Today, I want to talk to you about how to not ruin your new year before it even begins. We've got a couple of days left in this year, and then we're gonna cross over into what I believe is going to be the best year we've ever seen uh, as God continues this pattern in our lives. For the faithful, the path of the just is a shining light, Proverbs 4.18, that shines ever brighter, brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So we're believing that as, as God continues in his faithfulness, we continue in our faithfulness. We're going to see the best year we've ever had. But I want to give you five things today uh, in this broadcast that will help you to not ruin this new year, your goals, your purpose, the things God's asked you to do before you even begin. Morning, Ted. And so I want to jump into those with you. And um, I want you to write them down. I want you to put these things in your notes. I want you to put some of them in the, in the comments section. And, um, I'm going to take it from, uh, what my original goal was when I was younger is I had these goals to fast and pray. And I really, really wanted to hear from God. I wanted to please God. But as you've, if you've read any of the stuff I've read, written on, on fasting, you'll know I was, you know, having a hard time with fasting and prayer. I was having a very hard time. And that was my goal. I wanted to please God. I wanted to seek his face, but I was having a very, very hard time. And I began to analyze later what was giving me such a hard time. Why was I, why was I failing in my goal to fast and pray for an extended period of time? And I realized after, uh, re looking at this stuff, analyzing it that, um, there were some very basic things that if I would have just changed them, you you can see the success very easily. So I wanna share those with you today. Um, Number one, and I think this is very important, and I'm gonna add something in here. The Bible talks about um, making a vow to God. And that's found in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, it's, It's talking about making a vow to God. And the Bible tells us that it is better to never have made a vow to God than to make a vow and then break it. It's better to have never vowed anything to God than to make a vow and break that vow. And so you've gotta keep your vows to God. One of the things that we do, and um, huh, I, think it's, I think it is an important thing, now that I've done uh, 21 day fast for years, I think it is an important thing that you start your fast, you start your year by making those vows to God. You say, well, man, the Bible says it's better to never do it than to make it and break it. And I don't want to risk that. I don't want to risk making it and breaking it. But see, here's the power of the vow is that it, it's almost like that moment of uh, like, for example, in the Old Testament, God would do something powerful for his people and then they would take that place where God did something powerful and they would make a memorial there for what God had done. Or they'd name the place based upon what God had done. Abraham did that. He said, I will call this place Jehovah-Jireh for the Lord has provided for himself a sacrifice. So many times they would either make a memorial or they would name that place in memorial of what God had done. The interaction with God, the encounter with God, And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to make a vow to God, but it almost makes like a memorial. It almost, it puts you in that, uh, I'll tell you what it does. It puts you in a place where you recognize I'm not doing this flippantly. This is serious. What I'm getting ready to do this, this journey in which we're, we're about to embark is a serious journey. This is a serious moment with God. I'm not just jumping into fasting and prayer because, you know, everybody else is doing it on the, on the broadcast and the victory tribe. And I'm not doing it for that reason. This is a serious moment with God that when I jump into this time of fasting and prayer, I expect to encounter the power of God. I expect to encounter the presence of God. And I expect to receive instructions from the Lord. I expect to hear his voice clearly. And I expect a pathway to open up for me in 2022 that was not previously open before where God will do supernatural things because I've heard his voice. I've obeyed him. And now I'm walking in the path he created for me. I expect those things to happen. And the key being that I'm going to go into this knowing this is a sacred holy time that I'm giving to the Lord that I'm giving to the Lord. And so we don't do this lightly. We're not doing this lightly. I mean, I don't know how you could fast 21 days lightly. It's a a sacrifice, but we're not going into it. I'll I'll tell you what I mean by that. We're not going into it saying, you know what? If I fail, I fail, you know, I'll I'll break and eat a couple days. We're not going into it that way. We're going into it saying, you know what? This is serious. I'm giving you, Lord, these 21 days to begin my year. And I pray that as I am faithful to fast and pray and to seek your face and to read your word, that you'll speak to me in ways I've never been spoken to, that you'll show me things I've never seen, that you'll open doors that have never been opened. And so this vow where we say, Lord, this time is for you. This vow uh, marks this at the outset as a holy moment. We're not stepping in lightly. We're not stepping in flippantly. We're doing this as our dedication, our consecration to God. We begin the year. See, God's not gonna get our leftovers. Think about that. He doesn't want our leftovers. He's not gonna get our leftovers. We always give the first of everything to God, right? He gets the tithe. The tithe is not what's left over. The tithe is the first. That's the first thing that leaves my house, the tithe. He gets the first fruits of what is uh, mine, my increase. He gets it, it's for him. And so the, the same way we look at our year in that way. So why do you feel like you got to do it in January? Because I'm giving God the first, I'm not giving him my leftovers. I'm not waiting to, to give it to him in December, not waiting to give it to him in August. I want the, the year to begin in consecration to God. And that really is the key. I want, I want to begin my year on the right path. I want to begin my, my year on the right foot. I want to start off with momentum. I don't want to wait until we hit June and then be like, you know, I think we need to gear things and ramp it up. No, I want to start running. And a couple of years ago, I gave the analogy that, I mean, I didn't come up with it. The Lord spoke it to me while we were in revival. And uh, he said, I'm going to give you the end of your year as an on-ramp into the new year. And then he, of course, brought back to my attention that when you look at how most on-ramps anyway are built, uh, it's built on a decline so that before you hit the interstate or the highway, you can build up speed so that by the time you merge into traffic, you're already at that speed. You don't have to merge onto the interstate and then hope to get your car quickly up to 75 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour. No, you're doing that on the on-ramp so that by the time you merge into that traffic, you're already at speed. And that's what the Lord spoke to me a couple of years ago. I will give you the end of your years. When everybody else is slowing down, when everybody else is uh moving off the gas and just chilling. He said, I'll give you your October, November, December as an on-ramp into your crossover into the new year. So that when everybody else is slowing their pace, you can build up momentum, build up speed. By the time you hit January 1, you can cross over in full momentum. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm believing. That's what's gonna to come to pass. And part of what we're doing in our fast is that we are pushing that gas pedal. Say, you know what? I'm not gonna wait till the first quarter's over to get what God has for me. I'm not gonna wait until we hit summer. Say, you know what? Get ready now. The last half of the year is gonna be. No, I'm starting it that way. But in order to start it that way, some of these things have to be in place so that you know you're not going to uh ruin your new year before it even begins. Don't be the person who quits early. Don't be the person who gives up on what God's called you to do, right? You, um, I was thinking the other day about this because they, they say this about investing, right? Um, you, you truly don't lose money until you sell, right? So I was thinking about this in regards to, we were looking at some different things with cryptocurrency even. It's like, it's a volatile market. It goes up, it goes down, it's quickly going up, it's quickly going down. But you don't actually lose any money until you actually sell your your cryptocurrency or you sell the stock or whatever your investment might be. Because as long as your money is still in the game, that thing could shoot through the roof and you make a ton of money. So you haven't lost, it's just moving. And and I feel the same way because people people, uh, don't understand that about the way you live your life. You've not actually, and here's the lie of the devil. As you're consecrating yourself, as you're dedicating yourself, the end is like, oh, this is not making any difference. Nothing's changing. You're not having any answers. God's not opening any doors. Nothing's really taking place. You might as well eat something. And the thing is, as you're giving yourself to God, uh, it doesn't matter what it looks like now. It doesn't matter, It doesn't even matter what you feel like. You are doing what the Bible commands you to do, which means you're on the right track. So don't base. That's why we set these things ahead of time, right? We're setting this ahead of time and saying, you know what? I make a vow to God. I will give you the full length of this time, no matter how I feel, no matter what, I'm, no, what it looks like, no matter none of that. If the enemy tries to discourage me, doesn't matter. I'm giving you the full length of this time giving you the full length. And and that means I'm, I'm 18 days in, I'm 14 days in, I'm 11 days in, I'm six days in, and I don't feel like it's working. I don't feel like it doesn't matter what you feel like you have given that time to God. And the thing is, people say, well, you know, it doesn't seem like it's working. Why would you give up and pull out your investment before you see the payoff? Don't do that. Don't do that. Stay faithful. But, but here's the key. As we jump into these five things, I want you to write them in your comments. I want you to write them in your notes. Um, Number one, it's very important after you've made this vow, which we've we're making a vow to, to God to give him this time. It's very important to understand the why of what you are doing. That's number one, understand the why of what you are doing, the purpose and the power of what you're doing. So what is it when I understand, this is one of the reasons I failed. What was my goal? What was my, my thing for the year? Fasting and prayer. One of the reasons I failed. And if you've, if you've read my books on it, you'll understand this because I've explained it. I didn't get the why, you know, I only looked at these things as simply spiritual disciplines, you know, and I didn't see the benefit. I didn't understand what was going on as I fasted and prayed. I didn't understand all of the spiritual benefits and all the blessings that are attached to fasting and prayer. I just kind of looked at it like any other religion would look at it. This is one of the dis- spiritual disciplines that we have to do as Christians. And, you know, it, in that way, it discouraged me because I didn't understand the why. Um, one of the things that I, I talk about in the book, uh, there's an author whose name is Simon Sinek. He wrote a book called Start With Why. And he shows within that book how all the great companies that are really doing uh, amazing things in their industry are companies that understand the why behind their company, right? I I use the example of Apple computers and, you know, you could go to any of the ones that are really doing a great job at it. They understand the why of what they're doing. And so he creates like a a bullseye target. And um, uh, so he starts on the outer ring with, here's what we're doing. Well, everybody knows what they're doing. (laughs) If you don't, it's like, you can't be doing something without knowing what you're doing. All the, all the companies, all the people, all the individuals, they know what what we're doing. And and then you go into the the ring. That's a little further towards the bullseye and you get into how you're doing it and the importance of how, yeah, I, I understand how this sets me apart from my competition. I understand how I'm making it happen. It's not just about what, I know how it's going on. But then the bullseye though, is why am I doing it? Why am I, do- this is what truly sets people apart. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing it? So for example, uh, why would Apple make computers that aren't cheaper than everybody else's computers if they wanna sell more computers? Why do they have to make such expensive computers if they wanna sell more, right? Because they understand what their why is, their why. They're not looking, their, their whole vision statement is not to make computers that are cheaper than everyone else's so everybody will buy a cheap computer. Their why is different than that. Their why is we know there's a specific group of people that want a specific type of experience and a user interface like we make, and they want the quality of software integrated with hardware. They want the beauty of product, all of those things. That's our why and we're gonna make it for that why, and people that identify with that why will get in on our product. It's like Southwest, Southwest did that. There's a lot of things they could do with their airline, but what their goal was from the very beginning was to create the cheapest experience uh, to the most places. And so, as I read in other books, there were all kinds of options thrown at them. At one, Whether you know this or not, at one time, Southwest Airlines was considering offering a Caesar salad to every person that, uh, rode on their, on their flights. And so if you had a ticket on, on a Southwest flight, you'd get a Caesar salad. It was just how it was. And they said, and in the boardroom, they said, great idea. It'll set us apart from the competition, but let's go back to our, why? If we do that, will we still be the cheapest airline that goes to the most places? And when they came to the conclusion they they wouldn't be if they invested in the caesar salads they said great idea we're not doing it so you begin with why you begin with why you're doing something it puts the power behind what you're doing so when you start out for the new year and you say you know what here's what is going on here's what uh the lord's asking me to do this is the direction i'm moving even with your fast we start by saying here's why we're doing it this gives value to what it is we're doing. This, this gives value. So we're saying, you know what, I'm starting the year in fasting and prayer, but you know why I took the time, in this book, Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, the reason I took the, the whole chapter to write about um, you know, uh, the spiritual benefits of fasting. Well, why would we need to know about that? Because it puts a why to our dedication. Here's why I'm fasting. Here is what happens according to scripture when you fast and pray. And I wanted to cover all of those benefits, you know, and then we literally start the book. Now that's the last chapter, uh, supernatural benefits of fasting. But then I start the book with 10 reasons to fast and pray from scripture. So why would we start with that? Because we want you to know the why of, of, of why you're fasting. Same with any purpose you pursue in your life. If you'll log that, in fact, as we get ready to begin the fast in in January, I've encouraged you, even in this book here, in the very first chapter of the devotional, I encourage every person that's getting ready to fast to write down what it is you're believing God for during the fast. Write it down. What goals do you have during this fast? What are you asking God to accomplish during this fast? You know, one of the things that was very interesting to me, I was listening to, um, brother, uh, Kenneth Hagan teach one time and he was teaching on the subject of prayer. I found this very interesting. And at one time he was a pastor and he said at his church, it was very common in those days to have people gather around the altar and pray and pray at the end of a service. And uh, he said it was another one of those services, but he, he began to think, you know what? I wanna take a poll with my people and figure out you know, what it is they're praying for. He said, so I, I, uh, as people were gathered around the altar praying, I came down off the platform and I started to walk slowly through the crowd. And he said, I would stop at somebody and I'd say quietly to them, hey, what are you praying for? And he said, they'd look at me real weird. You know, like they'd look at me with a furrowed brow. What, do you, what are you praying for? Or what are you praying about? And they'd say, uh, he said, the, uh, the, the majority of them would say, well, I, I don't know. I'm just praying. He'd say, well, I know you're praying, but what are you praying about? What are you praying for? I don't know, brother. Hey, I'm just, I'm just praying, pastor. I'm just praying. Yeah. But what are you praying for? And he said, now he even realized, he said, I realize that some prayer is just fellowship with God. He said, you don't have to actually be asking for anything. He said, but realize they didn't even know if they were doing that. He said, they had no idea why they were praying. They had no idea. So he said, here's the problem with that. If you don't know what you're praying for, how would you know if your prayer was answered? (laughs) That's the problem. And, and, And I want you to put that in the comments. I want you to start that today. Put that in the comments. If you don't know what you're praying for, how would you know if your prayers were answered? Very important question. If you don't know what you're praying for, how would you know if your prayers were answered? Now that is important because Jesus said in the gospel of John, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Well, how can you receive something? You don't even know what you're expecting to receive. How could your joy be made full if you don't even know what you're looking for to go on further in the book of Philippians chapter four, the Bible tells us that we are to make our requests known unto God. And as you guys know, that's why I don't believe in unspoken prayer requests because they're not scriptural. What is an unspoken prayer request? That's a, that's a prayer request that nobody is voicing, that they're not uh, identifying, defining. How can we pray for that? See, especially when you know you're supposed to pray for things using God's word. I pray for things using God's word. I find scriptures. That's why we use prayer points when we pray, because we want our prayer to be based on the word of God and what he's promised. So if somebody tells me, Hey, would you just keep me in prayer? Sure, what can I, how can I pray for you? Oh, it's a, I got an unspoken prayer request. I don't know how to pray for that. I don't know how to pray for an unspoken prayer request. Because you could say, well, you know, it's unspoken, but just lift me up. Well, how do I know what scripture to use? How do I know how to pray? What if, you know, I'm over here praying that you'll be, you know, delivered from addiction. But that's not what you need. You're, you're believing for healing in your body. Or I'm over here praying for your family members to be saved. And you're actually believing for financial breakthrough. How do I know how to pray? And as AJ points out, Jesus, Jesus would provoke that answer. Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus, uh, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? So if we don't know what we're praying for, How would we know if our prayers got answered? So understand the why ahead of time. Before you go into anything in the new year, before you go into your purpose, pursuing your purpose, stepping out in faith, doing all these things, fasting and praying, make a list. What is is it that I'm doing? What is it that I'm believing for? What is it that I expect God to do? And then you can actually track that thing. Has any of this come to pass yet? It's February. Have I seen any of these doors open? Have I seen these things come to pass? Is it moving in that direction? And you can, you can actually begin to track. And here is where you can get into some serious, uh, praise reports and, and really giving God glory and honor is because you're keeping your eyes. And by the way, don't forget, we're commanded to do that because when you read Psalm 150, what did the Psalmist write? One of the reasons we're supposed to praise God is for his mighty acts of greatness. So if you can't even identify what uh, his acts of greatness have been, how could you praise him for him, right? And that's why we're tracking, here's what I'm asking God for, here's my request, I'm making it known, this is why, this is what I'm doing. And when God does it, you can give him all glory and all the praise. Uh, And AJ makes a great point in the comments Uh, and I've, I've preached this many times, you know, when Bartimaeus approached Jesus, first of all, he had a beggar's cloak on and he was, everyone could see he was blind. Everybody could see he was blind, but he approaches Jesus by faith. And then Jesus could clear, maybe somebody even led him to Christ. And Jesus still asked, what do you want me to do for you? He didn't assume that Bartimaeus was going to request his vision. He made him say it. I can see you're blind. What do you want me to do? Because maybe Bartimaeus' faith was for something else. So Jesus made him identify the why. Why are you coming to me? What do you need? I want to receive my sight. Boom, boom. And he gets what he's believing for. So the key being, start there. Know why you're fasting. Know why you're praying. Know why you're taking these steps of faith. Know why you're moving in this direction. Know why God's calling you to do these things. And see, by identifying that right off the bat, you strengthen yourself. You fortify yourself to complete the task, to complete the journey, to continue on in doing what God's calling you to do. See, when the enemy, and there will be times that the enemy tries to lie to you, tries to discourage you, tries to stop you, when you identify that. Why, why am I, why am I on this path? What is it? What go back to the beginning? It strengthens you because now you're not waiting on somebody to praise you. You don't need man's approval. You don't need popular consensus. You don't need cultural approval. You know, it's you and God. You've made this. This is a vow. I know why God's got me on this path. I don't need anybody to cheerlead me. I'm staying on my, I'm staying on my mark and it strengthens you. It fortifies you in the middle of all that and you won't, uh, fail in the midst of it. Another thing that I believe, uh, that really helped me, I wrote it in the book. Another thing that'll help you is feast on God's word, feast on God's word. One of the things that God's word will do, it will identify to you if something you're doing is off. What do you mean by that? Well, if anything I'm doing in my purpose, whatever, is contradictory to God's written word, then I know I need to change it. See, I love how God's word sets parameters. I'm thinking of Hebrews chapter four and verse 12, where the Bible tells us that the word of God is alive and active, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Get that, soul and spirit. So if something is soulish, if it's soul driven, if it's carnal, the word of God will will come in like a scalpel from heaven and begin to slice those things out of your life. It brings conviction, it brings guidance, brings correction, it brings encouragement. And if we don't feast on the word of God, And by the way, as we fast, let me encourage you with this. The word of God is going to be, that's why we're keeping it front and center. That's why when we, when we start on Sunday, our plan is to, uh, our plan is to read through the whole new Testament in 21 days, minus the book of revelation. We're going to read through all of the new Testament, Matthew through Jude in 21 days, about 11 chapters of the Bible a day. You say, man, that seems like a big investment of time in in Bible reading. But in reality, it's not that big because it probably take you less time than a show you might watch on Netflix or a streaming service. And really to put that much word in your spirit daily is going to feed you spiritually. It's a huge benefit. Jesus taught that you can feast on God's word like spiritual bread when Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the middle of his fast to turn stones into bread to eat them, you know what Jesus said, Matthew 4, 4? No, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We know that the word of God is bread. We know that the word can be ingested into our spirit. Jeremiah the prophet told us that, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. He said, Lord, I found your word and I ate it and it became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. So you can feast on the word of God. When you get hungry fasting, feast on the word of God, feast on the word of God, pray in the Holy Ghost, edify yourself. And so this, this, uh, focus on God's word, it'll keep you from doing things that are outside of the realm of your purpose. It'll keep you from doing things that are not scriptural. It'll keep you from doing things that are not pleasing to God. And so you have to base your purpose. That's why I know this sounds funny, especially today, but you know, I don't think, and I heard someone else say this and I'll, I'll adopt it myself. I don't think we should tell our children that they can be whatever they want to be. I don't believe we should tell our children that. I don't think we should cultivate the kind of mindset that that creates by saying, when you, you can be anything you want to be. I mean, you've got all the potential in the world. You can be anything you want to be because God's children should never think that way. Not that we shouldn't think of possibilities, not that we shouldn't see our potential in ourselves or any of that. But when we recognize, get this in your spirit, when we recognize at the deepest level that we are all Children and servants of God. I can't be whatever I want to be. I've got to be what God called me to be. Think about what if we taught our children the power and importance of being spirit led from a young age? Imagine if there was a group. Imagine if there was something you could be a part of that taught children how to be spirit-led and to follow the word of God and to be hungry to read his word. Imagine if there was something for your children that they could be a part of on a weekly basis that was available for free in an app and as well as a YouTube channel on a website like MiracleWordKids.com. Imagine, imagine if there was something your children could receive spiritually that would put them in position to be spirit-led as kids and not wait until they're 30 to learn how to be spirit led because we're not called to do anything we wanna do. We're called to do what God's asked us to do, what God has asked us to do. He's asked us to do a specific thing. And so why would I wanna do anything else? In fact, you know, the way you hear some people talk about it, it's like it's a burden to obey the purpose of God. It's not a burden. When you're doing what the Lord has called you to do, it's the greatest joy you could ever have. It's the greatest joy you could ever have. You say, well, you know, I wanted to do this, but then God made me do this. No, you don't understand. People, they've missed it if that's, the, if that's what they think. They're probably not even doing what God's called them to do. Because the Bible teaches that if we'll delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our hearts. Now, I believe one way that we can read that is that not that we just come up with desires and he fulfills them, but that he actually gives the desires. He puts the desires in your heart. I'll give you a practical example of that. You know, the story that uh, I've told you of, of how Carolyn and I were, God spoke to us to move to Florida, spoke to me. I called her, she prayed God spoke to her. Um, you know, I'll be very honest with you. I have never liked Florida ever. And I've traveled my whole life. I've been to Florida many times, been to many parts of Florida. I have never liked Florida in my life. When God spoke to me, it was the same. And I thought to myself, seriously, Lord, you're going to move us out of this place that we love and you're going to take us to Florida. and One of the things that was really wild to me, and of course I understood this principle then that I'm teaching you now, is something began to change because, I and I still don't like Florida. There's a lot of places in Florida I don't care for at all, but not where God placed me. I love where God placed me. And and it was very interesting because uh, knowing that that's how I'd been my entire life, my entire life. Don't like Jacksonville, don't like Tampa, don't like Orlando, don't like Miami, I don't like uh, Sarasota, I don't like Daytona, I, you know, all those different places. But when we started coming here, and my father uh, spoke for uh, Bishop Rick Thomas, and then I came and spoke for Bishop Rick Thomas, and, uh, and, and spoke in the church, and spoke in the youth conference, spoke in different things, and, I, and it started to be a, an odd thing to me because we'd come to this specific area where we are now. And uh, I'd look around and think like, when I was here, I'd think, I really like it here. And I'd think, that's weird. I would think these things internally. That's weird, because I don't like Florida. I mean, that was always my thought. I don't like Florida. But then I would come here. Now this is before the Lord told me to move. This is before any of that. This is when I'd still visit and still preach here. And I think, well, I like it here though. I like it in this area. This whole Fort Lauderdale, Boca, this, this, this area where we are now, I like it here, and it would be the only place that I'd like in any in any part of Florida. And then it didn't to me; it, it wasn't a, a massive surprise then. And when God said, "You're to move to this area," how crazy is it that before I got an instruction, God began to work on my heart? That wasn't normal. It's not like I discuss, Like it's not like I didn't know. That Fort Lauderdale existed. It's not like I didn't know Boca existed, or you know, I, I, of course I knew. But it's interesting to me how God changed my heart before giving me instructions. So He began to put desires in my heart before He gave me an instructions. It was, I found that very interesting. That if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, that He will give you the desires of your heart. And I believe what happens. This is why I wonder very, very uh, often. I wonder about people who claim that they're doing what God told them to do, but they can't stand it. I think to myself, like, I even wonder if he ever did tell you anything, because what do you think God's plan is? To give you instructions and to move you into position to a place that's going to cause you constant frustration and you're, you just can't stand it and you're always sitting around mumbling and complaining and moaning about where you are, that's not God's plan. You know, I've had people tell me that. I have people that went to Bible schools and they went, oh, I, I hated that Bible school. Uh, and then you'd, In one breath, you'd hear me like, I know God told me to go to that Bible school. And then you hear them. Oh, I couldn't stand any moment of being there. I couldn't stand going to that Bible school. I don't know if I ever should have been there. I don't know why I went. I can't tell you one good thing about that Bible. It's like, seriously, you're the one that told me God told you to go there. So so what, what was he torturing you? God was torturing you. God doesn't do that. He's not torturing his children. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. God wants to bless you. God has a desire to bless his children. Right. And so the the key, as you see, God will give you the desires of your heart, but as you're, you're pressing in, right. And, And I'll give you number three, the word has to be a big part of your life. But then also as you're, as you're going through these things, one of the ways to not ruin it. And people do this all the time by just straight up negligence. And we can all, we've all been to the place where we we let our our foot off the gas a little bit and you're like, you know what, I'm not as dedicated as I once was. But if prayer and specifically praying in the spirit is not a a regular part of your life, you're going to miss it. And I'm going to explain to you why. Uh, One of the ways to understand this fully is that God has given us prayer and prayer in the spirit to bring supernatural guidance and encouragement into our lives. So one of the ways he speaks to us, a g- example, I just brought up the story, uh, prayer. Number three is prayer, Jenny. You got to be in prayer. How did I even get that instruction to go to Florida by making up my mind on this drive from Pennsylvania to New York? I'm going to do nothing but pray in the Holy ghost. And I dedicated myself to just, so I was in prayer. And as I was in prayer, guess what happened? In prayer, I immediately got an instruction. If I'd have been doing other things, it wouldn't have come. You can't neglect prayer and expect these things to manifest. And so, number one, we know why we're doing it. Number two, we're filling ourselves with the word of God. Number three, we're constantly in prayer. But here's one of the things that'll help you. Not only will God guide you, not only will God guide you, but You have to remember this, that there is a supernatural benefit, there are many, but I'm gonna give you one, to praying in tongues. You say, what is it? Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that it's an encouragement or an edification to your personal life. You are building up yourself, the Bible says, you're edifying yourself. Uh, Another one I could give you in Jude, Verse 20, that you're building yourselves up on your most holy faith when you pray in the Holy Ghost. So your faith is being stirred for action and you're actually encouraging yourself. So (laughs) let me tell you, that's a massive benefit when you can be supernaturally encouraged without a cheerleading section, without everybody clapping their hands and saying, oh, you're doing so great. Not everybody's going to say that. In fact, probably very few people are going to say that. Very few people are going to say that you're not going to have the majority cheering you on because one of the things I've learned, and you should learn this early on, the more you pull away from the pack, the more criticism you gain. People don't like it when you are doing more than they're doing. Because one of the things that it it can do is it can, if the reason that they're not doing as much as their own, negligence, their own laziness, whatever, it shines a spotlight on what they're not doing. As you are advancing and you are pursuing a purpose and you're actually making progress, it shines a light on the fact that they're not doing that. They're not pressing in. They are not being diligent. They are not getting a word from the Lord. And people don't like that. They don't want to be made to feel uncomfortable with their level of dedication. People hate that. That's why if you ever, you ever worked in an office and people are like, you start to do more you know, to get ahead. You work hard. You stay later. You come in earlier. You do extra work. And then you, get, you start hearing all the talk. Well, somebody's brown-nosing the boss. Somebody's looking for a promotion. Like, you hear all, the, all these negative things. Why are they saying that? Like, what would they care? If you're doing, if you're working hard, why would someone else care that you're coming in early, that you're leaving late, that you're doing more work? They care because it shines the spotlight on what they're not doing. That's why shines the spotlight on what they're not doing. And they like, say, dude, what are you doing that for? Then they're going to see, like, we all need to be doing that. And so, that's the mindset. The mindset is if the, if our boss sees We could be doing more work than we're actually doing in the time we're allotted. They're gonna expect more from us. So why are you doing that? And see, human nature is only do enough to get by. Only do enough to not get fired. That's human nature. But see, when you walk in excellence, when you've got a vision on your heart, you know, I'm gonna go hard at this thing. You know, I have to give an account to God for my life at the end of time, at the end of my life. Why am I gonna lay back? Why would I just lay back and say, oh, well, we'll see. What. No, no, no. I'm going to press forward with everything I've got. And see, one of the things that will motivate you to keep pressing is prayer in the spirit. It stirs up your faith and it encourages you personally in your, in your own personal spirit. Paul said that, you know, did you ever wonder why he, he said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I pray in tongues more than all of you. I'll pray with my known language, and I'll pray in the spirit. I'll sing in my known language, and I'll sing in the spirit. Why do you think? Why do you think he was doing so much like that? It's because of the fact he understood the benefits of praying in the spirit, of being a spiritual person. In fact, not only that, Paul, rebuked the Corinthians for staying immature. He rebuked them for, he said, you know what? I wish that I could do more. I wish I could give you more uh, in regard to revelation, but I keep having to give you milk because you're immature. Can't we move on, he say, beyond the uh, elementary teachings about Jesus? Can't we go on to the deeper things? but it was their immaturity and it frustrated him because people are satisfied just doing the minimum. And you can't be that person. You can't be the one that's satisfied with the minimum. You got to make up your mind. Look, it does. And I know people don't like conflict. They hate conflict, but you got to be the person that says, you know what? I'm willing to have a little bit of friction, a little bit of conflict with people that think I'm doing too much, you know, doing the most. but I'm, I'm pressing. What you don't get is I'm pressing. The pe- listen, the people that don't have a goal, the people that don't have a purpose that they've defined are satisfied doing anything. Let me impart this to you. Please get this. I'm gonna say it again. It is the people who don't have a defined purpose who are comfortable just doing anything, you know, there's a reason why businessmen and entrepreneurs and people who are like really killing it in their own personal, uh, call it their purpose. There's a reason why they don't watch TV. (laughs) There's a reason why they're not sitting around for hours watching streaming shows. There is a reason why they're doing that. Now, if they, if that's their thing, you know, everybody has their own, you know, uh, gear down things. Some people like to uh, read, some people like to shoot, some people like to drive, Some all kinds of things. Some people like to fly their own planes. If that's the thing, they learn to make time for it, but they're not just allowing their time to be wasted throughout their life and still expect to crush it in their purpose. They don't do that. They don't do that. They guard their time. Why? Because their purpose is well-defined. They know what they need to do in order to make it work in order for them to be successful. And I'll tell you this again, people who don't have a defined purpose are comfortable just doing everything or anything. And you can't do that. You can't be that person. One of the things you have to recognize is that purpose gives you parameters. Please put that in the comments. Put that in the comments today. Purpose gives you parameters. I've taught that on here before. Purpose gives you parameters. There are things that if I'm called to do this, there are things I should do. And there are things that I should not do. Purpose sets parameters. If this is my goal, purpose is this is my goal. Then these things, these are the things I should do. These are the things I definitely should not do. Right. So my perp- that's why identifying it and defining it is so vital because it sets those parameters so that you know ahead of time what you should and shouldn't do, uh, which leads me to number four. Number four is that you should remove as many, I, I can't say all because there's people, it, it may be impossible to remove all, but remove as many distractions as possible. Remove as many distractions as possible. That's number four. What do you mean by that? When somebody, you know, just in the natural world, not not like spiritually delivered, but like in the natural world, if somebody gets out of alcoholism by some program you know, obviously they're going to tell them don't go back to bars and clubs and hang out with people that drink it's common sense if you just came out of alcoholism if you just came out of drug addiction then don't go back to the places where people are drinking and doing drugs because what's going to happen your purpose, your goal is to stay free from alcohol, stay free from drugs. Why would you put yourself back into a situation where you're surrounded now by distractions and temptations that you are personally weak toward those things? That's your weakness. Why would you surround yourself with your weakness? Why would you go on a fast and then go to the grocery store and buy all your favorite snacks and foods and stock your refrigerator and pantry with your favorite snacks and foods before you began your fast. Now as you're in the midst of those first three days when hunger is everything and every time you open the refrigerator to get a drink for yourself, there's all your favorite foods and snacks. Every time you go to the pantry, there's all your favorite foods and snacks. and. The distractions are there and the temptation is there, and you're actually moving toward moving yourself toward failure versus success. That's why I tell people that you've got to re, one of the one of the things in removing those distractions, especially with fasting, is that it is important in those times of consecration to shut yourself away. What do you mean by that? We're not, these 21 days that we're getting ready to go into, they're not. They're not for going to everybody's birthday party and going to every work dinner and going. Don't do all that. Don't do all that. If you've got to show up at a birthday party for a while to make an appearance, do it. Make the appearance and make a disappearance. Go give a gift and head out because these days aren't for that. They're not for that because what happens to people, they get sucked in. They get, oh, I got to go to so-and-so's birthday. And of course they got food there. Well, you know, I'll eat it. It's their birthday. I'll go back on the fast tomorrow. Oh, it's a work dinner. I got to be at that. You know, I don't want to look like the guy that doesn't come to the work dinners. And all these things. And then all these distractions hit you. And then as a result, you fail in your purpose and your goal. Same thing, no matter what your purpose is. Same thing, no matter what your purpose is. You're, if you're called to do a specific thing, look at all the distractions that would keep you from doing it and move them out of your way. Move them out of your way. There's a reason, right? Uh, do, but no matter what diet you, you choose to go on, if, they, if it's the keto, if it doesn't matter what it is, Weight Watchers, I don't care. One of the things they'll tell you to do, like take for the keto the example, uh, go toss all your carbs, throw your breads out. I mean, or just like you know, get rid of all that stuff before you begin. No cookies, no ice cream in the fridge. Get all of those things out of your house, so that you don't even have a temptation to go back into. The 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 refined carbohydrates, get it out of your way. It's not even an option. It's not even an option. See, you're removing the distractions. I find it very interesting that uh, we read about it in the book of Genesis. Jacob, before his name was changed to Israel, he made a decision to meet with God to encounter God. But notice that he didn't have an encounter with God until. He removed every distraction and the Bible says that he's there by the Jabbok River and he's got wife, children, servants, livestock, possessions. What does he do? He sends them all across the river, wife, children, livestock, servants, possessions, he sends it all across the river and the Bible says, and there he remained alone alone. Notice what he did. He remained alone. Every distraction was removed. And then the Bible says a man came and wrestled him, wrestled with him until daybreak. It was the Lord. And then his name was changed and his future was changed and his identity was altered. Why? Cuz he had an encounter with God. But he couldn't have an encounter with God before removing all the distractions. And that's the key. That's what we're setting ourselves up to do. I'm gonna spend this time, you're gonna spend this time in the midst of fasting and prayer, expecting an encounter with God, but we're removing all distractions. Moving all distractions. Key. It's a key. And then let me give you this before we pray, the fifth one, is one of the reasons people fail before they even start is that they never do start. They never do begin. And I do feel like I need to talk about this one. You say, oh, that seems elementary. No, it's not. It's actually something that I see often, is that people fail because they never begin. You know, it's like, um, when I was writing about fasting in in this book, The Complete God, when I was writing about it, I was talking about uh, how we, we we were talking about the different lengths of fasts that there are found in the Bible and narrative. And then, you know, what there are not. And, uh, I said, you know, though we're never commanded to fast for any specific length of time, one length that you cannot choose is zero. You can't choose to never fast though. We weren't, Though we're not commanded a specific time, you can't say, well, since we've never been commanded a specific amount of time, I'm not going to fast at all. No, because fasting was a command from Jesus. It was an expectation from Christ for his followers. It was something that the apostles did, the early church did, two days a week, every week. You can't say, well, I'm just going to choose not to fast. And one of the biggest things is that people don't get started. It's so funny to me how so many people they they let things get in their way and say, "Well, before I start this, before I start, I need to do this. Before I start, I want to do it." And all the way from starting a business, a hobby, whatever, all the way down to getting saved. There's literally people that say, "Well, you know, I'm on my way towards." you know, salvation. And, you know, I'm just trying to clean up my life before I come to church and just trying to, just trying to get my life together before I, before I come to God. It doesn't work that way. As my uncle Tiff has preached for years, you can't clean up your life and then come to Christ. You come to Christ and he cleans up your life. And so they're trying to do all these things before they begin. Same, same. I've seen people, That they've got this desire to, you know, produce music, or they've got this desire to become this or that, or I'm going to start a podcast, or I'm going to start a live stream, or I'm going to do all this. But then they say, well, you know what? I need to get this piece of equipment first. Well, before I begin my podcast, I need to have this mic and this room and this soundproofing and this, and I got to have this computer and I got to have it. And they they always are pushing it into the future. Well, I need somebody to do my graphics, you know, once I have a podcast and I have to have a nice cover on. I got to do all these different things. And they never begin, they never begin because they don't have all the things in place before they start. And I'm telling you that that's a mistake because you don't wait for a perfect environment to get started. You get started with what you have, with where you are, and then you move forward and you improve as you go. Danny Silva. Where do you get, where do you sow your seeds to your own church or other churches? I sow seeds everywhere, Danny. I tithe to my church, I sow to my church, I sow to evangelistic ministries, I sow to other churches, I sow to individuals, I sow to men of God. Don't just sow in one place. Sow everywhere and sow generously. <laughs> Aaron trying to use scripture in her benefit. Uh, a day is as to the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years as a day can I fast for a day and call it a thousand years? No, no, you may not. (laughs) But understand something, people are waiting for a perfect environment to get started and you can't wait for that. You've just got to start. If God's, listen, if God called you to do something, I remember when I started this uh, broadcast, when I started doing videos, I laugh. I look back and I bought a cheap couple of tripods and a cheap crossbar and a cheap uh, photography blanket backdrop thing. And if you go back, I don't even know if we have them on YouTube, but they're somewhere hidden on a Vimeo page somewhere. I've got a black backdrop. I was so, I didn't understand anything about filming. So I looked at how small those camera lenses are. They're like this, you know, they're like this big. And I thought, man, if I move, because I couldn't see myself, I was just filming myself. I was like, if I move in either direction, I'm gonna move right out. I'm gonna move right out of the frame and nobody's gonna be seeing me. So if you watch any of my first videos, I was so careful. I would have my Bible like this, you know, and I'd be like, Hi, I'm evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth. And do you know that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus? It was like so terrible. It was so terrible. And I, I look back and cringe now to think like, dude, why are you like not? Why aren't you moving? Why aren't your hands moving? Why are you like a statue? Why are you? Why do you sound so boring? You know, looking back at all those things, and like I had one camera, and I had one crappy backdrop, and I had lights that were so hot. I had tungsten can lights that were so hot that you actually had to like turn them off every, between every video you filmed, and and bring a fan in. And the videos were only like four minutes, and you had to bring a fan in, and you had to like completely air yourself out because it was so blazing hot in my living room. I'd be like mopping my brow. But I didn't say, I'm going to wait until I have a studio. I'm going to wait until I have an LED wall. I'm going to wait until I have LED light. I didn't do any of that. I said, you know what? I'm going to start with what I have. Uh, And that was before live stream. That was just filming videos for YouTube. And then live stream came out. And I remember my cousin Jonathan and I, we we would go live together uh, a lot at the beginning on Meerkat and other uh, blab and other, other, um, apps like that. And we would do uh, bedtime prayers and things like that. We didn't wait till we had studios. We had our phones. That's all we had was our phones. And back then you couldn't even connect live stream, uh, to like professional cameras and stuff. We had our phones and then Periscope came out and Facebook live and YouTube live and all these things. And we didn't, we didn't wait. We just did it with what we had to do. Right. And you're you're sitting there like, well, I can't do that. I mean, and, and let me tell you, I know ministers that would not do it until they could make it professional until they could make it look like TBN. You know, I'm not, I'm not going, I don't want people to see me on a cell phone camera. It's like, dude, do you think people care? That's, that's the thing. That was the power of live stream back then, but they didn't, they wouldn't start. They wouldn't start because they didn't have all the professional gear. They weren't in a studio. They were they didn't have they didn't have a director. They didn't have it. It's like who cares? That wasn't the benefit anyway back then. But notice, they wouldn't even so they got left behind is what happened. They got left behind in live streaming. They got left behind. They're not even live streaming stuff today. There's people, they have valid ministries. They're not doing anything to touch the digital world uh, because they they didn't have, they didn't build their following because they didn't do that. They they wait they had to wait and wait and wait. You don't wait until it's perfect environment. That's not how successful people do things. They do with what they have. And you build as you go. You build as you go. You do with what you have now. Start where you're at. You know, the key is, if you're faithful over a little, he makes you ruler over much. But don't despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord is pleased to see the work begin. That's what the Bible says. Speaking of when they began to build the new temple for God and the foundation was laid, just the foundation, and the people began to rejoice. And he said, don't despise the day of small beginnings because the Lord is pleased to see the work begin. God just wants to see you doing what he's called you to do, active in what he's called you to do. So I'm telling you, employ these things don't, uh, don't, don't wait, you know, and as we're getting ready to hit this new year, don't allow your new year to be destroyed because you didn't understand. You didn't define your purpose. You didn't know why you were doing it, that you didn't have a full, you weren't letting the word guide you and correct you and encourage you that you weren't praying and getting words from the Lord, that you weren't praying in the spirit and encouraging yourself that you had distractions all over the place and you didn't move them out of the way so you could focus on what God called you to do. And don't, don't allow 2022 to get started, but you didn't get started. Don't allow 2022, well, you know, January's passed now. I know, I know I'm gonna do it. I know I'm supposed to start a business this year. I know I'm gonna do it. Well, February's over. I know in March, sometime, March, and time will fly by you. Hear me, time will fly by you. And you can sit around and think to yourself like, oh man, no, five years have passed. Five years have actually passed and I've not done anything. Don't be that person. I've had people come up to me, I've told you in in services, would you pray for me? The Lord spoke to me to go in the ministry about 20 years ago and I'm just believing he'll open doors. And I'm thinking 20 years ago and you're still waiting for open doors. Don't do that. Don't let time pass and you're sitting around thinking, man, I should have got started. I should have just gone ahead and done it. I should have just made it happen. Don't be that person. There's nothing more frustrating than realizing later you should have done something. You, have, you are filled with the nature of God. You're filled with the power of God. You've got the mind of Christ. You've got wisdom from heaven. Don't let it go to waste because the enemy lied you out of getting started because you felt like you were insufficient, like you couldn't do it, don't allow those lies to stop you. And I'll tell you one of the biggest, and this will be a bonus for you here at the end. Don't allow what other people think guide your actions. Well, yeah, if I, you know, my family's gonna think I'm nuts if I don't eat for 21 days. My family, you know, go out and start a business? You know, but none of my family's even graduated, never been to college. You know, who am I to start a business? Don't let what other people think of you. Think about this. Uh, Here's a meditation for today. If you're gonna sit around and just kind of meditate on something for five, 10 minutes, meditate on this. What would you do in your life if other people's opinions were not a factor? You need to think about that. Stop and meditate. If money was not an object, if people's opinions and comments weren't an object, if they didn't have anything to do with it, what would you do if you didn't have, you didn't care at all about what people thought of your actions? What would you do? Would you start a business today? Would you go, would you start in studying for ministry today? Would you, what would you do? What would you do? What are the, what are things that have been on your heart that you feel like have been hindered because you're kind of worried about what people, how people would take it, what they would think about it? Because here's the real answer to that. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares what people think? Who cares what people say? Because here's what you have to remember. When when life comes to an end and you stand before God who gave you the, the commands and the, and the purpose, are you going to stand before God and say, well, you know, I think those people wouldn't have been really pleased. Who cares? You answer for you before God. You answer for you. God's going to reward you because of what you did with what he gave you. That's the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. God will reward you for doing, notice this, even the last servant who was called a wicked servant, notice why he didn't do what the other two did. Well, I know know how you are, master. I know how you are, you're a hard master. He allowed someone else to govern what he should or shouldn't have done. It's a mistake. Don't allow others and the thoughts of others and the opinions of others to to govern what you will do with your year. It's going to be, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the greatest year that we've ever had. I'm gonna pray for you here at the end of this broadcast. We've got a couple days left before we jump into this fast. It's gonna be powerful. But I want you to set your faith and believe God for what's getting ready to happen in 2022. And for those of you, that have battled those thoughts, I'm gonna ask God, they're coming to an end. They're coming to an end. You're gonna stop caring. A boldness is coming on you for 2022. A fire's coming in your belly in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we come to you in the name that's above every other name. We're very thankful for your anointing and your presence that dwells in every single one of us. Now today we're asking you to give us a fresh boldness, a fresh urgency, Give us, Lord, a drive to do what you're calling us to do. As we transition into this year of divine possession, we thank you that we'll have what we've never had. We'll go where we've never gone. We'll do what we've never done in Jesus' name. Lord, give us supernatural and divine ideas to accomplish things for your kingdom. I pray that doors would open for us that have never opened before in Jesus' name. And as they do, we'll be faithful to run through them by the power of your spirit. We thank you for it. Let us clearly hear your voice. As we fast and pray, let our flesh be quieted. Let our spirit become sensitive. Let us not miss one word that you have for us. Now, Lord, I'm praying for all of my uh, friends, all of our partners, the whole, the, all of the Victory Tribe, those that are believing for miracles. Lord, I pray that J- January would not even come to an end before they see their miracle come to pass. If they're battling sickness today, I lose healing virtue and I declare that January will not come to an end without healing manifesting in their body in Jesus name. Those that are battling in their minds, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts, January will not come to an end without peace and joy flooding their hearts in Jesus name. Lord, we thank you. Put us in position. Don't let this upcoming month finish without us being in position for promotion in the mighty name of Jesus. We're so thankful. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Don't forget, before we begin the fast, to grab a copy of these. This is gonna help you. This is brand new. This devotional is really, I released it. This was the last, I can't even tell you what a miracle this is. I was talking to Tiffany about it and Carolyn. This is a miracle. I mean, like the Lord spoke to me to do this for the tribe to get this out before we begin fasting. And I looked back to the, to the moment I first started writing in November to the time that it was finished and completely done. 20 days blew my mind, 20 days that this book was written in from the time I started writing it to the time it was live on Amazon, 23 days. It's mind blowing. But the Lord spoke to me. so Carol and I were talking, it's like, can't the Lord speak to you like before December hits? So you have more time. And I'm sure Tiffany's nodding a big yes in the back, but I just, I, when I heard it from the Lord, I jumped right in on it and we began to do it. And, uh, it's, it's available. I'm so happy it's available before the first of the year. Um, yes, there is a way Dr. Prepper. And if you will be on the broadcast tomorrow, we, unless Tiffany already have a way. You already have a way? We'll take care of it for you tomorrow to make sure that you have uh, at least something digital before we begin the fast for people that have purchased and you're like, man, I don't know why they're telling me it's gonna take so long to get to me. Uh, we're gonna help you out. So uh, not only that, but I wanna to talk to you tomorrow uh, about a resource that we're gonna do all together that's gonna to help us through this fast stay together as the tribe and, uh, and continue doing this together. We're doing it together. It's a corporate fast. It's a corporate fast. And so it's going to be great. I'm very much looking forward to it. I want to challenge you today to sow a seed before this year comes to an end. And what am I challenging you do something by faith? That's going to move the hand of God on your family, life, ministry, and business. Don't do something small do something like Carolyn and I are doing. We're sowing the largest seed that we've ever sown at the end of the year, ever. And every year we try to increase that to be the largest that it's ever been. And this year we're doing the same. And uh, tomorrow night, we're gonna sow that seed in expectation for this upcoming year. Something that's gonna provoke the hand of God. Something that's gonna open up blessing that we've never seen before. Open up financial blessing we've never seen. So what, is it, what does it take to do that? It takes that kind of a seed. You can't sow something that is not significant to you and expect a significant harvest. It has to be something that moves your flesh, your spirit, and your faith to provoke the hand of God. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. So what is it that the Lord is speaking to you to do? Maybe before this year comes to an end. You've never sowed a thousand dollar seed. Do it. Maybe you've never sown 5000 and the Lord's pressing you to do it, to set yourself up for a new year of financial increase. Do it. Maybe it's something that's like $10,000. You've never set, stepped out at the $10,000 level. Step out today and watch what God will do in your upcoming year. For everybody that's sowing in the month of December, Pastor Mark Hankins has been so kind to send us, allow us to send you this book as a gift, Faith Opens the Door to the Supernatural powerful book we're going to be sending to you. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. If you've sown your seed, fill out the form. We'll send it to you and we'll know where to send it. For those that are sowing thousand dollars or more, we're going to include with that the life application study Bible, genuine leather. I'm going to sign it to you and your family. And then finally, for those that are sowing $5,000 or more, we've got the elite study collection that we've put together and curated this Keepsake Box, plus I believe these are the best study tools as you get started in deep Bible study. Uh, over 100,000 notes on scripture from Bible scholars in this package, and uh, it's our gift to you for those that are standing at $5,000 or more. We love you. I want to say thank you very much. Um, I'm just telling you, I've got so much expectancy and excitement for this upcoming year. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do. It's going to be Supernatural. Now, let me just give you a couple things before we go. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. It's New Year's Eve. Uh, got a word for you before we go into our New Year's Eve night. And then the fast begins Sunday. That's the 2nd of January. As I told you before, what we're going to be doing for everybody that's, that's joining us on the fast, all of the days that we can, that we're not in revival, that we're not preaching at a church I'm gonna be coming live at 9 p.m. Eastern time uh, for every night that I'm not in revival uh, to broadcast and to speak to you and encourage you to, uh, as we guide you through this fasting and time of fasting and prayer. So it begins Sunday night. So this Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern time, that's New York City time, we're going to be going in to nighttime live streams. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week, We're live at night, and then, of course, we head out to Revival in Indiana. All of the details of our schedule are on the website. You can join us live in Revival. We want to see you. Uh, But as we go through, again, the Bible reading plan is in this devotional as we're going through the New Testament in 21 days. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I want to see you there uh, on these nighttime sessions. It's going to be great tomorrow I've got something to share with you about how we're going to stick together during the fast. It's going to be awesome. I love you. Have a powerful day and I'll see you again in the morning. Love you guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.